Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for another All In Crypto podcast. I am your host, All In Crypto, and today I am nothing short of excited to be joined by John Wood, the CTO at the Algorand Foundation and a familiar face. How are you doing, John? Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. And there's been a lot going on with Algorand, with the Algorand Foundation, lots of announcements, you know, so I really thought it was important to reach out uh, to you. Uh, and see if you and see if we could get you on the show to sort of uh, talk a little bit about them. Um, but I'm sure anybody that's into Algorand is very familiar with yourself. However, there might be some people perhaps that are new to Algorand, new to yourself, uh, you know, sort of hearing about you for the first time. Could I perhaps get you to give a brief introduction uh, of yourself? Yeah, certainly. So um, I'm John Woods. Uh, I'm an Irish citizen. I live in I live in Ireland, um, and I'm the CTO at the Algorand Foundation. And so as CTO, it's, it stands for Chief Technical Officer. My job is to basically make sure that we're setting the right strategy um, and executing on that strategy for all things tech, whether that's um, infrastructural things at, at the actual Algorand Foundation, or indeed um, things that affect Algorand directly, like the DevTools strategy. So building the tools that developers use to build on, on Algorand. Um, I've had a whole bunch of different jobs uh, over my career. Uh, I have a, a computer science degree or a computer engineering degree, really. Um, and so, you know, I first started working in Ericsson as a as a developer um, in C plus plus in real time embedded systems, um, in IB, using IBM's Rational Rose uh, nearly two decades ago, I guess. Um, and uh, I went from there. I had kind of a journey through my career from from development software engineering to uh, I worked in Forex for a while. I worked in, in in derivatives. I've worked in central banking, the European Central Bank, and the Irish Central Bank. But I guess most I guess most critically for the work I'm doing now, I, I was the chief architect on uh, Cardano. I've also worked professionally on Ethereum. I led software architecture and applied cryptography uh, with consensus on, on where, where I worked on Ethereum, and now of course. Um, I work um, at the Algorand Foundation. And so I would say, you know, if you looked at my CV, it, it would say uh, architect, applied crypto, uh, software engineering, but also someone who tries to understand, uh, you know, the business, the business value of things, because I think it's important. Sometimes in, in projects, I think some of the business impact is lost. Um, and so it's important that we, the things we do are going to be things that make the ecosystem better for the users and the developers. Yeah. And I'd love to get into some of that. There's been a lot going on uh, with Algorand. Is there anything on the top, for, you know, just that sort of sticks out mm -hmm. that you could really highlight? Um, we're going to get into, obviously, the integration of Python in the Algo kit. Um, and we'll get into a, a number of other key things that I uh, would like to highlight and sort of ask you about. But, you know, it's been a while, little while since we've caught up. Is there anything that really sticks out to you that you're particularly proud of, interested in, excited about? Uh, that's been happening with Algorand recently? Sure. So, you know, when I joined uh, the Algorand Foundation and the Algorand ecosystem, it was about a year and a half ago or so, maybe a year and, and four, a year and five months. And when I came over from Cardano, um, I did a deep assessment of the protocol to try and understand, of course, um, what I was taking on before I took the job. And so in my assessment, Algorand is exceptionally well engineered. And so it's very well designed, very well engineered. And if you look at the core components of any blockchain, it kind of boils down to kind of three pillars, right? Um, how is network implemented? How is data propagated across the network graph? How is, how is consensus implemented? 
what is the magic that keeps the blockchain in sync in this decentralized network? Um, and also, what are the rules of the ledger? What are the things you can do? How do you express assets? What are the things you can do with smart contracts? And so if you kind of glue those three things together, you kind of get most, most uh, programmable blockchains out there. And so I assessed the network stack, the consensus, and the ledger. And um, I was blown away with just, just how well uh, conceived it was. And so there wasn't really a ton to do uh, when I came to the foundation, or a ton to worry about, rather, um, when it came to the protocol itself. Um, and so the things that I realized that needed changing, because, of course, Algorand is not perfect, um, we needed to look at the developer experience. And so when I when I arrived at the Algorand Foundation, we were using uh, Teal predominantly, or sometimes PyTeal, which are languages uh, to express your business intent within a smart contract. So all smart contracts are like, smart contracts are like apps, right? Like an app on your phone, except for rather than running on your phone, they run on the decentralized operating system that is Algorand. And so inside like any app, even like the apps on your phone or indeed inside a smart contract on a blockchain, someone has to program that smart contract to do something useful. And so that is where the business logic or business intent uh, lives. And so, you could, you could express your, your business logic in a smart contract on Algorand using Teal or PyTeal. These are languages that folks won't probably have heard of unless they're in the, in, in the ecosystem already. They're esoteric languages, um, and Teal, which is really the, the, the core language, it's an assembly language for developing smart contracts. And what that means is, it's like if you were on your Windows computer and you wanted to build like Flappy Bird, the game, um, it wouldn't be very good if your user experience required you to be down at the lowest level, talking to the CPU, pushing and popping registers, um, and getting the CPU to manipulate ones and zeros and bits uh, at a time. And that's what Teal is like. Teal is like really low level. Instead, um, these days, if you wanted to build something like Flappy Bird, you'd be using Unity or Unreal. You'd be using one of these gaming SDKs. It does the heavy lifting for you. That makes it really easy to draw a sprite on the screen. That makes it really easy to animate things. And so I recognized with the team that we needed to change um, the linguistics of Algorand so that it was more inclusive, that it was cheaper to develop, um, that it was easier for people to maintain their software that they built. And the only way to do that is to transition away from a low-level language like Teal, which is fine, it can exist, and sometimes it's nice to have these very low-level things for very precise manipulation of stuff. But in the day-to-day -day development process for the average developer, they're not going to need that. Instead, they need to work in a higher level language where they can express their business intent simply. And so one of the things I'm most proud of what we have achieved at the foundation is that we've transitioned the developer experience away from this low level stuff to a sublime, simple, easy to use um, experience using a product that we've released called AlgoKit. And AlgoKit or Algorand you know, Kit, which is what a lot of developer tools uh, end in, AlgoKit is a tool that helps you build, test, and deploy your smart contracts and their front ends on Algorand. And so it gives you everything you need. It's a full toolbox that gives you everything you need to go from start to finish to build your application. And this month or early next month, uh, because software is a little bit, you know, very hard to predict in terms of when it's going to be ready, we will be releasing um, the ability to write that smart contract using AlgoKit and the language Python. And so this is uh, this is killer, right? Because right now you're using AlgoKit, it makes it easy to build, test, and deploy, but what, what you're still using is PyTeal, which is not a great or simple language to use. And so we're gonna be transitioning AlgoKit away from this legacy language, PyTeal, into 
actual Python, the same Python that's taught in schools, universities, the same Python that they teach um, kids when they're when they're learning programming for the first time. Uh, the same Python that's used by machine learning and AI experts globally, and the same Python that is the most popular programming language in the world. Everyone who knows Python will have the ability to write a smart contract on Algorand without learning anything new, and that is really important. That's killer, right? That's so inclusive. It reduces go-to-market costs. It reduces maintenance costs, and it opens Algorand to all of the world's developers. And so that's probably what I'm most uh, proud of uh, as to what we've achieved um, in the developer space. But there's also lots of other things that I can go into uh, that we could talk about. Algorand has had an incredible year. In a year where the markets have been depressing, I guess, for people who who, who depend on, the, on, on um, the markets for their bottom line, people who are selling the token to sustain their business. In a year where speculators have, have seen the value of their positions decline, it's been kind of a, a bit of a bummer, of course, for all of us. But ultimately, in that same year, uh, where we didn't have a very good time in the markets, we've been making tectonic shifts in the technology stack. We've been making tectonic shifts and changes in terms of the user experience, and more so and critically, tectonic shifts in the developer experience. And this is what sets us up for um, the future, right? This is what makes it so uh, Algorand is on everyone's lips um, when cryptocurrencies become uh, back in vogue again. When they become popular again, you know, we're all very much looking forward <laughs> when to that. AI, when AI, when, when people are sick of drawing pictures of Mario. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I'd like to maybe come on to AI a little bit later and talk about how, how actually we can use blockchain to safeguard uh, against AI. You know, how do we, we, in a world of deep fakes and things like this, actually sure, uh, sure. verify ourselves? You know, blockchain and AI, I actually think are going to go hand in hand in the world we're moving towards. Sure, um, I can see that, yeah. But I, I, I think you have... Algo Kit is a game changer. You've got this unbelievably fit for purpose. And what I mean by fit for purpose is a blockchain that can actually be applied to the real world and deal with it. There's a lot of blockchains out there that if you did apply them to the real world, they just simply couldn't handle it. Whereas sure. Algorand is um, extremely fit for purpose. It's an amazing blockchain. The right. thing that you've really sold with Algo Kit is languages. When it, when it comes to... A lot of blockchains kind of seal, put a wall around themselves that developers were on the outside of because of the languages they needed to actually use and deploy on the blockchain. Whereas AlgoKit is really solving this, first of all, on its own as a kit that made it a lot easier for people to uh, deploy with. But now the implementation of Python, is Python the largest language out there? Or is it is it second largest, something like I guess that? It, depend, it depends on which uh, on Metri which yeah. survey you look at. But yeah, I mean, like it's 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 probably one of it, well, it is one of the biggest languages in the world. But uh, it depends on which survey you look at. Um, in most of them, it's it's the the most the most popular language in the world. Yep. Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, anybody that has that understanding of Python is going to be able to essentially use Algorand to do whatever it is they want. And I think critically, right, I'm not saying that Python is the best language in, in the whole of computers. Uh, there, Rust is amazing. Uh, it's fast. It's safe. Yep. C is incredibly powerful uh, and, and not so safe, but very fun to use. Swift is uh, very expressive and elegant and combines multi-paradigm approaches like, you know, functional and object-orientated. There's loads of great languages out there. Um, the reason we focused on Python um, was nothing to do with the fact that we already had a thing called PyTeal. There's, there's like the Algorand core node is written in Golang, you know, uh, which is 
which is a, a systems programming language, but it's nothing to do with Python. It's like its own thing. It's like C or Rust. It's a systems language. It's a low-level language. That's what the, the core developers use to build a node. We chose Python for one reason. And we could, we could have chosen anything, by the way. We chose Python because it is incredibly versatile. Um, it is not like when you're writing a smart contract, you got to think of this, right? Smart contracts are small enclosed little pieces of logic. They're small apps. They're not like an app like Microsoft Word or an app like the Photos app on your Mac. They're not huge apps with tons and tons of features. Smart contracts, by definition, tend to be small, self-enclosed, simple pieces of logic that either say, yeah, you can spend these funds or no, or yeah, this bond is mature or no. And so they're, they're, they're quite simple. And so for those kind of simple use cases, what you need is an expressive, flexible language that everyone knows. Um, and that's the that's the bit that's more that's the most important. When people came to Algorand, they go, oh, this is a cool computer. Like think of Algorand, the platform as a supercomputer, a super powerful machine that can do loads of cool stuff for you. So someone comes along and they have an idea. Okay, I have an idea for how I'm going to build something on blockchain. They come to Algorand and they go, ah, oh, these developer documents aren't so good. This documentation is a bit hard to read. I don't know this language, Teal. I've never heard of it before. Um, I've got to spend weeks trying to understand Teal and try to understand the programming model. Um, then I've got to hire people to scale my application up. So I've got to hire other people that know Teal and I've got to pay them. And usually they're expensive because it's a niche language and usually you pay more for languages that fewer people know. Um, and so the whole thing is just one big ball of pain. And so what we've done is by moving to Python, We've chosen a language that is incredibly well known, has fantastic developer documentation, right? So you can, I mean, you can ask ChatGPT, but of course you can go on Stack Overflow. You can go anywhere. The tutorials for Python are everywhere. So that's going to, it's going to reduce the, I mean, of course, there's little bits about smart contracts that are different to regular Python development, but ultimately people can learn this thing ubiquitously. Um, it's super cheap to hire developers in. And you know what? You can learn it in, in a matter of weeks. And so it becomes... For me, I think the drivers are, how can I unlock this supercomputer that Algorand is? How can I unlock it for everyone? And, and the answer has to be by allowing people to program it in a way that's super easy, super cheap, um, and doesn't take very long to build. And so that's what Python's gonna bring. But we could have, we could have chosen any language, um, but we chose Python because we felt that it was the perfect choice for that first language. To bring Python, to bring Algorand to as many people as possible in the shortest time possible. Yeah, and it, it's very exciting. You know, if you look at um, most blockchains out there, don't quite have a killer application yet. Now, and, and what I mean by a killer application is an application that's really took off, and you have millions of people using it. Sure. But I, I can't really name any actually dApps yet that have got to that stage, even on Ethereum. Um, you know, it's actually quite shocking when you look at actual dApp users on Ethereum. It's, I think it was only three or four that actually had anywhere near a decent number. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing that I'm really, really excited for is the possibilities that this opens up. Because if someone has an idea, whereas before you had Teal that was kind of like a gatekeeper almost, Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a fair way to put it. Well, I mean, um, like, don't get me wrong. So, so I, if you're absolutely the elite level uh, of this world, the you know the folks' finances or whatever, you'll figure it out. People did course. figure it out, but it's like that is not. It's it's too much, as you said. It's a it's a gatekeeper. It's it's a, it's a restrictor of 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 uh, of how easy it is to to do this thing, and we have to make this so easy for people. Yeah, and and that limits anybody with an idea being able to 
to, to go, right, let, let, let's utilize this really fit for purpose blockchain that can handle, it, right. it's already scalable. You know, it's secure. The security of Algorand is really second to none. I do genuinely believe that. And obviously that's yeah. all harnessed from pure proof of stake, which is a, a genius consensus. Um, but it, it's going to be very interesting to see all these people be able to now build and see what comes out of it. Because I'm betting you're going to get a few killer applications that just spring up. Absolutely. And, and listen to this. It's usually, in my experience, over the last kind of like two decades working in computer engineering, it's usually the people who are not the best developers who have the best ideas. And so like, I, I'm excited just to see when we open up Algorand to all of, to, to, to anyone who has an idea, we're probably gonna have the killer app that you're talking about. Um, it's gonna come from someone who's probably not a elite level coder. Um, you know, it's probably gonna come from someone who's learning uh, coding for the first time, but has a brilliant, business uh, proposition, right? has a brilliant um, product market fit. And so that's, uh, I think, essential because I, I speak about Algorand as a decentralized operating system. And just to be clear, what I mean by that is I've got a MacBook in front of me. It's great because there's loads of apps. After this call, I can open Safari. I can browse the web. I can open up messages. I can talk to my wife. I can open up paint. I can I can look at our photos. I can look at my, 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 my photos of my kids. I can open up Xcode and develop things. It's powerful because of the apps. Algorand is going to become powerful when it is a buzzing metropolis of various applications that people can use across all product classes. And super important, when Python and, and the simplicity of building with AlgoKit and the incredible developer documentation and the incredible developer user experience and journey that we have uh, is opened up uh, this month or early next month, we are going to see an influx of all these great apps on the chain, all these great ideas. And then the only thing we have left to do is build the awareness that when you're interacting with an app on Algorand as a user or as a developer, it's super quick. It runs like it runs on Apple Silicon. It really is the best developer experience, the best user experience um, on, on a decentralized operating system. And so people are going to come, they're going to realize how fast it is, how cheap it is. Um, and they're going to realize that they have a, a user experience that sings on Algorand that they cannot get on other chains. They cannot get on Ethereum. You know, you can implement the same thing on Ethereum uh, in terms of the application logic, but when you go to interact with it, it's slow, it costs money, you're waiting around. Ugh, people don't want that. And so Algorand really is going to give that uh, Apple Silicon level experience for your applications. Yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, if you look at Amazon with the internet, you know, it, it wasn't somebody... Um, Jeff's kind of idea to sell books on the internet. You're going to have a similar thing happen with Algorand. Somebody's going to have an idea that is going to maybe turn into the Amazon of tomorrow in the same way that Web2 now has facilitated the largest companies in the world. It's my opinion that Web3 blockchains, distributed ledgers, some of the largest companies in the world of tomorrow will be utilizing this technology. And we're already starting to see that. Um, so you opening the door up for the next Jeff Bezos maybe, you know, to um, utilize this is, is huge. Absolutely. And by the way, you know, just to be uh, authentic about things, I've stated before, I, I stated it last last month when I was speaking in the European Blockchain Convention. Um, blockchain isn't uh, a panacea. It's not a perfect fit for all applications. There are kind of, a handful, not a handful, but there are like three major verticals where blockchain uh, adds uh, killer touch. 
the first, and this, by the way, this is my opinion, not, not fact, but this is how I feel about it. After kind of building on blockchains for a while and watching others build on blockchains for a while and looking at what kind of, what feels like it's got, uh, you know, je ne sais quoi or some kind of magic to it versus what, what kind of feels like, oh, they're kind of leveraging blockchain in here. And so I feel that blockchain- like gaming, brings, right? Right. Well, lots, well, of, lots of people start with blockchain instead of starting with a game that they then add blockchain right. to. Yeah. And, and, and so if it falls, in, in my view, if it falls into uh, an application that benefits from decentralization or disintermediation, this idea of removing a middleman, a great example is ticket sales where you, it's, it's, it's me to you directly and you, you don't have to trust me because of the blockchain and I don't have to trust you because of the blockchain and we swap money for tickets and there's no ticket master. Beautiful disintermediation, and there's a whole bunch of classes of apps that fall into disintermediation. But ticket peer-to-peer ticketing is one. Um, the second is um, self-sovereign identity, and I think this is very important. This idea where you'll own your own assets, whether that's you know a license for a game, whether it's that's an asset that you win in Rocket League, whether that's um, an NFT that gets you into uh, a, a nightclub um, or a hotel room, or whether indeed that's just your the root of your decentralized identity that allows you to notarize documents. This kind of like ability for people to own their own identity. I think that that's that's cool. And I, I think we're going to see a lot of of major apps, a lot of successful apps, spring in that in that decentralized identity identity vertical. And the third kind of very broad category after disintermediation and ID is I think you know veracity and provenance. And so there are two words, of course. But what do I mean? I mean tracing your coffee from the from 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 the the producer all the way to the store um you know ensuring that your christian Louboutin shoes uh that you paid 800 dollars for are indeed uh you know made out of italy or whatever and so the and same for foods and medicines and other things and so they're they're at, from from my with my eyes they're the kind of three major categories that a blockchain really brings something special to an application but we we, we may see others but there are so many apps that have not been invented within those three those three kind of macro tiers. Um, that I actually would go as far as to say that in my again, just my opinion, it's not a fact, it's just my view. The the most successful apps on blockchain platforms globally have not even been invented yet. I don't think it's the yep. things that we have right now. I'm not saying they won't be successful. The, the ones that we have right now, I'm sure that many of them will be extremely successful. But I think the ones that will blow our minds, uh, the way GPT-4 has blown our minds, maybe, uh, are not even invented yet. Yeah, I think it's very exciting when you when you think about it like that. And I think you're totally right. You know, we in the same way that with any other technology, when it first starts out, um, no one envisioned that people would spend hours a day scrolling through cat memes on the internet, right? Like that was not even in the realm of possibility. And that's right. a huge use for the internet, believe it or not, as silly as it may be. Sure. Who knows where... And I know that kind of falls outside perhaps these, these these categories, but who knows where this is all going and, and all the amazing things that are going to be um, invented on it. And, and, and going back to Python and the Algo Kit, mm-hmm. at what point can we actually expect this? So, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we, we've been uncharacteristically, people when they're building software are usually late all the time. I, I can say I, I was late with most of my software. Yep. Um, so uncharacteristically, we're actually on time. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm sometimes hesitant to give dates because then like I get stuck to them, but we're targeting February, 2024 for the full shebang release wow. where it's like uh, AlgoKit 2.0, um, killer debugging, P- Python ready for production, right? That's So that's like, you know, three months away, four months away. Yeah, three months away. Um, that's, that's, that's the kind of the go live date. But 
Uh, we don't, of course, software is constantly iterated on. And so we feel we're in a place where we want to give people access now. And so very similar to how major companies who are building software give developer previews of, of new operating systems and, and, and new new languages and other features early to developers and to people who are hobbyists and, and enthusiasts. We're going to have a developer preview of Python where you can use Py regular Python to build smart contracts and deploy them on the mainnet and play with them. Uh, I want to say this month, but it might be like week one December. So it might be like the 6th of December. So maybe like just, just like over a month. Um, but yeah. So very, very soon, before Christmas, for sure, we will have Python to play with. We will say to people, hey, we think this is pretty great. And I can talk about the tech stack uh, if you'd like in, in a sec. Um, but, tr you know, we would say don't use it for, for production-grade apps that are handling millions of dollars in, in, the, in the early stages because we want to make sure we've ironed all the kinks out. And this is a developer preview. But, uh, yeah, for people to build simple applications and, indeed, for people to play with more sophisticated applications, you're welcome to do so when we launch the developer preview hopefully this month, maybe early next month. Wow, absolutely fantastic. And not to um, deter from Python, because I think I, I genuinely, I think AlgoKit is massive. I think okay. Python with AlgoKit is, is even bigger. Um, and I don't want to sort of uh, force anything out of you here, but is there any plans in the future to implement other languages? Let me tell you. Okay, I'm going to drop some spicy alpha. Um, okay, so um, okay, so like I said a, a, a few minutes ago, we chose Python not because we had the word Pi in PyTL, but because it's a flexible, super fast language to prototype in. Um, sorry, that was the word prototype in. Um, and indeed, it is a very inclusive and cheap, relatively cheap to build and 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 um, maintain in. So after you have built your app, you need to make sure that you fix bugs and and, and iterate forward. And so. We think it's a great choice, but we're not stopping there. And so maybe I could talk about how we've implemented Python and how this whole thing works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in the, in the simplest way possible, when you're running an application on your Windows computer or your MacBook and you click the icon, it under the hood, it goes to the hard disk, it gets what's called an executable or a binary, and it loads that into RAM. That binary is a collection of ones and zeros, and your computer provides that to the CPU, which is the brain of your computer, uh, where it interprets what it should do based on these ones and zeros. And that's how we're having this call uh, right now on Zoom. So let's, I, I said earlier, Algorand really is just an, a decentralized computer. So let's talk about how that might look uh, in an Algorand context. So on Algorand, the act of clicking the icon to start the app, that's really submitting a transaction on the chain. And what happens is when you submit a transaction on the chain, the same kind of thing happens. The transaction is a bit like the binary and the ones and zeros in the transaction um, get sent to Algorand's CPU or brain, which is called the AVM, the Algorand Virtual Machine. That's where all of the smart contract logic is, is uh, executed. Okay, so we're in Algorand land now. We've made our transaction. It uh, it interacts with, our, with our, our application and Algorand has taken our transaction and taken the ones and zeros and passed it down to the to the AVM, which is interpreting that and running uh, running the code. So. Let's take a step up from that low-level CPU, which is operating on the ones and zeros. So what does the AVM actually execute? I, I said ones and zeros for, for an example, but it's actually a thing called AVM bytecode. It's still ones and zeros, because that's what computers talk uh, talk to each other in and talk, talk to them, uh, you know, process information with. Um, but it's a kind of a special form of executable that's written for Algorand, just like, by the way, Apps for Mac, for Mac are written for Apple Silicon. Apps for Windows are written for Intel compute, Intel CPUs. It's very normal. These low-level CPUs have this have this kind of machine code that they understand. 
And so all we need to do to bring a new language. So we've said Python. We start with Python. People write Python in normal in normal editors like VS Code or Vim or or Notepad, whatever. They write their Python. It got to get it's got to get compiled and it runs on, on on the AVM. So all we need to do is like let's look at this stack between Python and the and the code running on Algorand and and, and look at what, how much would we have to change to bring something new that's not Python. Okay. So we start with Python. It is source code, and it's written in English uh, usually, like int this, you know, for that, that kind of stuff. If this, then that. It then gets in our in our in our next generation um, compiler toolchain in our in our AlgoKit pipeline. We take this source code. It gets compiled into what's called an intermediate representation, and so this is like a a computer language which is different to the source code that you wrote but is in a form that we can optimize and we can make sure that what runs on the AVM is, is as small and as elegant as possible. We then take this intermediate representation or kind of like half-baked dough and we bring it down another step. And, we, and it, it's now getting closer to being able to run on the AVM, but it's not there yet. This is a secondary uh, intermediate representation. So it's kind of like the, the dough is cooking and we're refining it and we're getting it even more refined, even more elegant, even more compact. And of course, in computers, we want things to be as Simple, fast, you know, cheap to run as possible, right? That's of course makes sense uh, in a decentralized uh, network. And then it goes one step down to assembly, and then finally down to AVM bytecode. So I've shown you this waterfall from a source code that's written by a human in Python, great, all the way down to code that runs on the CPU in the Algorand virtual machine. All we need to change to bring any language in the world is to screw off this Python uh, front end or Python head, shower head and attach a different language here on the front. And all of the other stages are completely valid. No matter what we what language we program in at, at stage one, intermediate language one, intermediate language two, assembly and AVM bytecode are all perfect. They don't have to change. So we just need to write a new front end. So it is my intention and the team, sorry, it is not, not our, my intention, it is, our intention, uh, the team building the uh, AlgoKit, because of course I haven't written a single line of code, in fact, for AlgoKit. Um, so all credit due to the team who are executing on it. It's our intention to remove that uh, Python head and add on uh, other languages that we feel are going to really make the developer experience great. And probably we will focus on something like Solidity, which will allow people to just take their Solidity code and with very little modification or minor modification, um, compile it and run it directly on Algorand. So couldn't be more excited. And by the way, this is not by accident. Uh, the team have thought through, you know, sure, when we said we we're gonna do Python, they, they said, well, we could do it this way or that way. There's about 10 different ways you could, you could actually implement. But they decided to take a path that was I guess not as easy as they could have. You know, it's very easy to hack up something that just kind of works, um, but not as easy to build something that's that's modular and reusable, where you can kind of like, you know, pop off one bit and insert another bit. So, this is a real testament to the quality of the execution and the quality of the engineering and the quality of the design uh, by the team behind AlgoKit, both at the foundation and at MakerX, who are our technical partners on this. Um, where they've built something that is that reusable. And so, yeah, that's the uh, that's the exciting thing for 2024, where we'll be, um, where, where, where while you guys are enjoying uh, Python and you're experiencing a very seamless and very 
easy to use development experience, we'll be working behind the scenes to add new languages to Advocate. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, and when you think about the possibilities of, of, of Python developers and what they are going to do, um, you know, imagine all these other languages and, and, and anybody and everybody being able to build on top of Algram, which I believe could become a choice, um, a, a clear choice for people when they're looking to utilize blockchain technology. Um, and I know we've already seen, I know uh, recently we covered a number of articles where we looked at the recent World Economic Forum article on non-fungible tokens, which mentioned Santander and Agro Tokens partnership. You also had A notes on BBC News. These are both projects that are utilizing Algorand. And I think that two very impressive projects There's going to be thousands, you know, who knows where this is going in the future, uh, but it's very exciting and a, 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 and a massive uh, announcement by, by all fleets. And certainly uh, I do appreciate you sharing that bit of alpha with us in regards to more languages coming in the future. No problems. And I know it, it probably sounds quite technical to folks who are not developers or whatever, and I totally get that. Um, but, you know, the key takeaway here is, hey, we we start with, with, with Python. It's going to be killer. It's going to be inclusive. But we can use the same technologies that we've built to bring Python to, to, to Algorand. We can use those. We can reuse 80% of that to bring other languages. And so this just keeps making it more inclusive, more open, easier to, uh, to bring awareness to other ecosystems. And I think that that's, you know, one thing I want to quickly mention. At the foundation, we recognize that it's really important to build grassroots excitement around Algorand. The same, by the way, that, that's seen with Linux or other amazing open source projects, okay? Or Ethereum, for that matter, or Cardano, for that matter. There's excitement there. There's natural excitement, grassroots. And so we, we want to be building that, watering that grassroots excitement. Um, and yeah, you know, um, building tools that make it so easy for people so that the, the, the learning curve is as flat as possible. That's what uh, I think uh, will grow our um, our user base and our 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 well the excitement for Algorand outside of the bubble that that is the current user base. Well, all very very exciting. You know, it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I was very excited personally when I heard about the Python announcement because I understand what it's going to do, uh, and and we've just kind of gone over a lot of that. And actually, looking forward how we're going to utilize Algorand to. Um, incorporate more languages and extend the possibilities that, 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 that and the opportunities that are going to come out of Algorand. So it's all extremely exciting. Uh, I know we're a little bit pushed for time, so uh, we're going to wrap the video up there. Uh, sure. We'll have to have you back on, John, uh, because there's so much we could have spoken about. I know you're a very busy guy. I'd love to pick your brains on AI and crypto and, and you know, actually how I, or, or maybe we both believe that blockchain can actually be uh, a bit of a safeguard in this AI revolution, yeah, I think it's. I, I think, uh, by the way, my I've got family members who work professionally in in in, in machine learning, and um, you know, I've got my forty my forty seventy Ti downstairs, and I I play with local transformer models, and I, I play with stable diffusion, and, and so I, you know, I care about this. I care about understanding it, and um, I'm certainly I'm I'm an amateur uh, in in machine learning and AI, but it's it's um it's a very interesting it's a very interesting area. I mean. I was just sitting on the couch with my father-in-law the other day and I was just showing him ChatGPT4, which you can now kind of do a Siri-like style kind of chat to. You can kind of like speak and it will speak back to you. And like, he's a doctor. So we were, or he's a retired doctor. And so we, we were talking and he was asking it medical questions and he was answering them about like, you know, the formulation of of, of drugs and and then like, you know, how, how to do certain surgeries. And, and and then we would switch and we were talking about, because his car is broken. We were talking about like how you would fix the car. It's, it's now talking to us about the car very detailed about transmissions and taking out the clutch and blah, blah, blah. 
And then I can switch to cryptography. It will talk about finite fields and it will talk about like elliptic curve point addition. And it will, and, and, and then you can talk about baking to it, or you can talk about like how to cook food. It's incredibly powerful. And I don't think I've been that amazed by something. I think like there's been a few things in my times in my life where computers blew my mind. As a quick example, the first time someone showed me that an MP3, they could t- take the CD out and, and the music was still playing. I was like, wow. And then, I, and then they were like, check out the file size. And the file size was maybe like three megabytes. And I knew that that was like tiny. Um, and I was like, wow, like, you know, blow my mind. Sec- like the first time I went on the internet, I was like, what? I can't believe this is possible. And so I feel a little bit like that about, about our current generation of transformer models w- w- with machine learning. I think, um, I know it's a bit of philo- philosophical debate. Should we, should we be careful with it? I think probably we probably should be careful with it. Um, Although my general my general feel in, in life is that you should try to push forward scientific progress and, and not and not artificially hold it back. Just but just do so, you know, but by being by being ethical and being careful with what you do. And so I think AI will bring a lot of richness to our lives and a lot of a lot of benefits. I do think, of course, quite clearly it will affect people's jobs. I, I think that that's without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I mean, look at web development. Uh right. we, we've spoken about uh languages and stuff like that, you know. Do people even need to learn languages in the future? Yeah, I mean, like, I would like to think yes, but but maybe not. I mean, and the other thing is like paralegals, and yep. you know, there's so much work there. Like, even even junior doctors, as an example. Of course, we need doctors, but like, it's getting to the point where it's it's nearly as good as a as a junior GP, or whatever. And so it's, it's a little bit scary. I don't know where that's all going to go. But as you mentioned earlier, the idea that blockchain again falling into maybe the the veracity and provenance category, where the, the truthfulness and and whether that's whether that's you know GPT four or deepfakes or other things, I think that that uh, that's something that maybe blockchain can help with. Um, but yeah, very yeah. Um, it, it, very we'll, we'll, we'll have to arrange another talk just just sure. for AI and blockchain in the future. John, it's always an absolute pleasure. I absolutely love talking with you, uh, and I know that my viewers do. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, and, and and wish you all the success in the world over it's, at the Alabama. It's my, it's my pleasure. Thank you for giving me uh, time to speak with you and with your viewers. Thank you very much. Cheers.